The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As you have heard today is Trinity Sunday. This is the one day each year when the church turns its attention to the complex doctrine of the Trinity, which dates all the way back to the third century. Scholars and theologians, and I should note every parish pastor who has ever been called upon to preach on this day, has attempted to come up with a way to make sense of or explain the Trinity. That is, to say clearly what it is that we understand when we speak of God as three in one. There have been numerous analogies. Perhaps you've heard some of these. The Trinity is like an egg. There is the shell and the white and the yolk, three parts, but one egg. Or the Trinity is like water, liquid, solid, and gas, three states, but just one thing. Or the Trinity is like a tree, roots, trunk, and branches, three parts, one tree. There have also been countless diagrams, one of which you just saw a moment ago, carefully drawn in both simple and complex forms in an attempt to explain the relationships between the three persons while maintaining the oneness of God. And over the centuries, there have been volumes upon volumes written about the doctrine. Here is an excerpt from a parish pastor's attempt to summarize the Trinity. God is three persons and one being. God is one and yet three. 
The Father is not the Son or the Spirit. The Son is not the Father or the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father or the Son. But the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all God, and God is one. Got it? <laughs> Clear as mud, right? No wonder it has been said that the doctrine of the Trinity is hard to understand and impossible to explain. When it comes to the Trinity, just like Nicodemus in today's Gospel reading, perhaps you too find yourself asking in exasperation, how can these things be? In the early Christian church, bishops and other church leaders met often to consider and to rule on questions of doctrine, administration, discipline, as well as a variety of other matters. These meetings were called councils, each one given a name usually borrowed from the city in which the meeting took place. One of those councils agreed on a declaration that is especially helpful for us today. In the year 1215, at a meeting of the leadership of the church, it was agreed that whatever we say about God can, at best, be true, but never will it be the whole truth. In other words, our best explanations and descriptions of God can never be anything other than approximations of who God is for us. We cannot, by our own human reason or understanding, adequately capture the mystery, the wonder, the awe of the creator of the universe. Our vocabulary is limited, and frankly, so are our imaginations. It is precisely as the Apostle Paul wrote in his famous 13th chapter of his letter to the Corinthians, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We see dimly, we know only in part. Our God is beyond our full knowing and understanding. Our God is more than we can carry or hold and bigger than anything we might construct or imagine our God to be. I wonder if you caught this in the first reading today from Isaiah. The prophet has this vision of God and he writes that the hem of God's robe fills the temple. The hem of God's robe fills the temple. It's the prophet's way of telling us that the glory of God spills over and out of and into the entire world. That council's declaration from 1215 is appropriately called the incomprehensibility of God. It's good to remember this, the incomprehensibility of God as we think about the Trinity. Our most sophisticated ideas and thoughts will never capture the fullness of, and here I borrow language from a hymn, it will never capture the fullness of our immortal and invisible God. When the pandemic began 14 months ago, I returned to a practice that I discovered and enjoyed during my sabbatical, a journey through Ignatius's spiritual exercises. 
Each day, there's a scripture reading and a prompt and an invitation to reflect and to meditate on the word of God. One day, this past week, the prompt was, go deeper into the mystery of God. Following that prompt were these words from Ignatius, and I quote, As you go deeper, remember that what satisfies the soul is not knowing more facts or reaching great insights, and here I would add, or understanding and comprehending excuse me, or understanding and comprehending the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. What satisfies the soul is not knowing more, but rather savoring the many graces of God and resting in God's divine presence. Let me say that again. What satisfies the soul is not knowing more, but savoring the many graces of God. This may very well be the truest thing I have ever heard, and it is so helpful on this holy day. The Trinity, you see, is not a doctrine to be understood or explained or defined as much as it is a means by which we savor the many graces of God. And there is so much to savor. Last Sunday afternoon, 58 ninth graders were confirmed here at St. Philip the Deacon. As these students stood to confess their faith and affirm their baptisms, I couldn't help but think about the experiences they had shared in the days leading up to that moment. They were prayed over by this congregation. They were invited to reflect on their faith journey as they were repeatedly reminded of God's deep love for them as evidenced in their baptisms and in the words of scripture and at the holy table and on the cross. They were surrounded by their families and by their loved ones and by members of this faith community. A grace to be savored. On Tuesday of this last week, one of our circles gathered together in person for the first time since the pandemic began, and I should note they had not met at all during the pandemic. One of them wrote to me saying how life-giving it was to be together again at last. A grace to be savored. On Wednesday, I had a conversation with a young man about an urgent prayer request he had. I can only share this powerful story without the details, but it goes like this. He told me that he needed something very important from God, and so he prayed and he pleaded with God for an answer to his prayer. His petitions were very clear and quite specific. In the meantime, while he was praying and asking. God gave him something that this young man was noting was not at all what he had asked for. He said, had he not been paying attention, he might have missed it altogether. As it turned out, the manner in which God answered his prayer was far better than anything he could have imagined. He said to me, I asked for one thing 
God gave me another, and it was far more than I deserved. A grace to be savored. And then, on Thursday morning, (laughs) a few brave souls gathered under the protection of a picnic shelter at Purgatory Park while a soaking rain fell and the temperatures dropped to the mid-40s. Together we read aloud Psalm 104 and we listened deeply to this hymn of praise celebrating God the Creator and the beauty of all of creation. I have to tell you, the poetry of this psalm is absolutely exquisite. Psalm 104, I recommend it to you. Sitting beneath the protection of the shelter, while the rain fell steadily around us, I couldn't help but think of another passage of scripture, also from the Psalms. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. A grace to be savored. I wonder, how did our Trinitarian God make himself known to you? this past week? In what ways was God revealed to you as creator and redeemer and sustainer? In what conversations or experiences or prayers did you meet God? What graces will you savor? Friends, our Trinitarian God comes to us and he makes himself known to us in many and various and completely unexpected ways. He reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He reveals himself as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Our Trinitarian God comes to us in the word of God and in the bread and in the wine and in the water. He comes to us in the liturgy and the prayers. He comes to us in the hymns and the music. And he comes to us in the absolution and in the silences we observe. And maybe, most importantly, on this Trinity Sunday, as we gather here together, in worship and praise without restrictions of number or distance or masking. Our Trinitarian God comes to us in the things for which we have longed and hungered. He shows himself and he makes himself known and he reveals his deep love for us in community, in relationship, in our shared partnership in the gospel, and in love. God is forever in our midst, making himself known to us even as we ourselves are known by him. And that is a grace to be savored. Amen.